Mr. Biffo, some of you might know me as Paul Rose, and I am here once again on Beampod with my dear wife, Sanya. Hello, everybody. Why is that? Why are you laughing? Don't know. In my heart, I always just want to go, greetings, Biamches. Well, then do that. I can't. Why? I don't know. It just doesn't feel appropriate. Well, we are, it's in my heart. It's what I want to say. The fanatical fans of our podcast should have a collective name, much as Marillion fans do. Which, oh, I, I see. Yeah, what you're you doing. see, it's I a little see segue. What you're doing because, of course, we've got two holdovers from the misplaced childhood era, which are the B sides. That's specifically correct. the B side to Kaylee, which is Lady Nina, and the B side to Lavender, which was. You're asking me. Yeah. Freaks. Freaks, which Meridian fans have adopted, although I don't really hear many of them calling themselves it anymore. But yes, they call oh, themselves did they freaks. Used to? So yeah. would you, if your friends, if you're talking to your friends or something, would you describe yourself? Oh yeah, I'm a freak. No, I've never, literally, never done that. Have you heard any Meridian fan ever well, talk had, to other people um, and go, yeah, because um, I'm a freak? They had an online mailing list, freaks, and oh okay, yeah, but it was named after this song. Has have there ever been any freaks T-shirts? I don't know. Oh. Anyway, beside the point. So let's have a quick chat about these two before we get on to the main subject of this week's episode. Right. Lady Nina, B-side of Kaylee. Yep. Nice little song. I liked it. Not a favourite song, but it was just kind of okay. No, it was better than okay. <laughs> um, wow. Easy to listen to. Damning um, with faint praise. <laughs> I'm sorry? Damning with faint praise. That's so mean. I'm not being mean to it. Faint praise. Damning with faint praise. Faint not... or feigned? Faint. That's oh, the... That's I the, can't uh, hear today. I'm going a bit deaf today. Well, yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, okay. But, well, it's obvious, pretty obvious what it's about, isn't it? I, I'm not sure. Like, is You're it not about sure. a lady? Yeah, I think it's fish writing about being... a well, not him being a prostitute. A but, lady who's uh, a prostitute. Okay, yeah. I thought so. That's, yeah. Was she also a drug addict? Because this is what I thought, like, well, you know when he says you made your marks? So I was wondering if marks is to do with, like, Deutschmarks, like money. Yes, that's exactly what it or is. Or marks, like, track marks from drugs. I never saw it as anything other than Deutschmarks. Oh, okay. Of course, which don't exist Don't anymore. exist. I mean, that just, like, shows how... Updates it, doesn't a- it? 80s is... Yeah. You should update this song. So to you, you Euros. Make your Euros and... You, Which then it yeah. wouldn't be able to have a double meaning. You make your Bitcoin and check into the night. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so it's that. I, I, be honest, I love this. You love it? Yeah, I love Lady Nina. Wow. It's, it was one of the reasons I got into the band because after Kaylee, which was the single. Oh, of the, course you got the The second Marillion first. song I heard was, Kay, it was Lady Nina after Kaylee. Of course. And I loved it. See, and me, because it's not the second Marillion song I've ever heard. It's, I, I like it. I don't love it. Yeah. It's 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 a no case. Oh no, I'm doing the faint praise again. You are. I'll just stop right now. Okay. Of course, a few things that are notable about it. One, the first Marillion song with a drum machine. Oh. Than live drums. Oh, okay. Uh, I think there might be some live drums on there, but yes, yeah, drum machine. The do, 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 do. Wow. And also, it was a single, but only in America. I mean, it didn't do very well, but <laughs> and it had a video once again featuring Fish's wife to be. Tamara. Oh, so how many videos was Tamara in altogether? Two, I think. I don't know. Is she, is she in Fish's Gentleman, ex, Gentleman's Excuse Me? I'm not sure. She's certainly on the cover. Uh, yeah. So Freaks, B-side of Freaks. Lavender. 
I think this narratively, again, musically doesn't really fit much like Lady Nina doesn't really fit on the album. Yeah. But I think lyrically, foreshadows clutching at straws, yeah, I think. Yeah, it really does. This is one that they uh, have played with H. H has sung this oh, a fair okay. few times. Do you think he relates to it in, on some level? He's in a band. It's a song about the paranoia of being famous, of yeah. living with a name. Yeah. Stop staring at me. It's a great little song. Yeah, I love Freaks. Freaks, see, between out of Freaks and Lady Nina, I probably love Freaks more. Really? Yeah, I, I love, love Lady Freaks. Nina more. I love Lady Nina because it's just, it's just distinctive and different. And I just like the way it sort of rolls, you know, with that, that drum beat. I don't know. It just feels like it sort of flows really nicely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we've got those out of the way just so that we yep. can tick all the boxes and say we've talked about every song. We're okay. going to move on to Clutching at Straws. Right. But before we get there, mm-hmm. we should probably talk about what happened in the wake of Misplaced Childhood. Yes. Which was effectively mega stardom for Marillion. They never made it to the status of a Pink Floyd or, I don't know, U2 or somebody like that. But they came bloody close in yeah. 85 and 86 after Misplaced Childhood. Well, you showed me a photo of them the other day having a meal with Queen. Well, yeah, they supported Queen on... Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and kind of hung out with them. And there's another Queen connection as well, of course, because they, they uh, were apparently offered the Highlander soundtrack, which Queen went on to do. But their management in the first of what would become some contentious choices by their management. The management turned it down on their behalf, saying they were too busy touring. Uh, and then, of course, Queen you know, had massive hits with the likes of Who Wants to Live Forever? And that could have been Marillion. Oh. Yeah, and this was, it was that, followed by Live Aid, that, that made Queen massive again. People forget this. Queen, during right. the early 80s, weren't the huge stadium act that they became. Yeah, they'd released a run of albums that weren't as critically successful or commercially successful. And then the one-two punch of uh, the Highlander soundtrack and Live Aid, particularly that performance at Live Aid, which, of course, Marillion didn't appear at. They'd been asked to be on the Band Aid single, but again, they couldn't do it because they were touring. Mm -hmm. So when Live Aid came around, Marillion offered their services for Live Aid and Bob Geldof turned them down and said, no, I only want people who are on the single there. Oh, ouch. Which, which was blatantly not true because you had Adam Ant perform. So um, do you think he he was a bit off with them? I think he might have been, yeah. Uh, have, I mean, Fish the was there, Fish was there on the day. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I remember him being interviewed backstage. Have any of the band ever talked about how they felt about missing out? Oh, both of those, they, I think they regret it. They were, they were considered... But was not. it their decision collectively or was it their manager's decision? Well, I think or Highlander, they just Highlander there was, was no there. way that they could they were physically. All the time. And this is what, what happened, really, that, that really started to wear them down as an act, mm. which, which all fed into clutching at straws. Right. Was John Arneson was just putting them out on the road constantly. It certainly helped. John Arneson's their manager their at manager the time. At the time, who, you know, according to the band, had some, certainly some addictive qualities, shall we say. 
and and it has been speculated that he wasn't making the best decisions always, and that he was oh. certainly partying as hard as the band were. Right, so he maybe wasn't as clear-headed as he could have been. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speculate too hard yeah. on that, but right. yeah, he did. You know, he did end end up going to rehab, I think. And right, but part it was part of the tension was that Fish wanted him gone, and mm. the band, the rest of the band, stuck by John Arneson to help him get over what was going on. So Fish didn't get along with him. I think he had done, but I think he could see that John Arneson was in a bad way. Right, and didn't feel that the decisions that were being taken were the best ones. And plus as well, Marillion were, were performing huge shows at this time. Yeah, The second time I saw first time I saw them was at Hammersmith Odeon on what had been a rescheduled tour. Because this was the other thing as well. Their UK tour to support Misplaced Childhood ended up getting cancelled because Fish was ill. Oh, they, they were being pushed right. so hard. He was overworked already at that point. Yeah. Right. He was burning out. He was burning out. And... So they they didn't really start to in the UK until the end of 85, the year that Miss Blaze came out. And I didn't see them until February 86 because it was rescheduled. Right. Um, and then, but then the rest of 86, they just toured relentlessly. The centrepiece of which was a, a show at Milton Keynes Bowl, second time I saw them. Is that the one we saw on YouTube? Yes, yes, the terrible bootleg <laughs> the, version yeah, that's on You can on barely YouTube. see a thing. Well, that, I mean, it, it accurately summed up uh, the experience because we started out, my friend and I, I mean, I was 14. Would I have been 14? Yeah, I was 14, just about to turn 15. And uh, my mate and I, we went there on our own very bravely. Wow. We were on the train that... Uh, there was a guy, it was a wasp in our carriage. This is by the by. There was a wasp in our carriage. In the, <laughs> and you do, you're not talking about white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Protestant. Uh, no, literally you're talking about an actual wasp. Buzzing around the window. And the guy opposite me had been reading the paper because it was sat table seat. Right. And then he offered me his paper. I was like, oh, thanks. And I started reading it. And he went, no, for the wasp. Oh. Want me to... <laughs> I felt an idiot. Right, idiot. But yeah, the gig was, we were, you know, it was terrifying in a lot of ways because we started off at the front. And, you know, it turned into just the mosh pit of chaos and we eventually got sort of moved further and further back during the gig. I got hit on the head with a bottle of piss. Um, Yeah, that was unpleasant. Uh, Had a huge lump on my head. Yeah, the actual, the the open end hit my head. The open end of the bottle. Sprayed with some sort of liquid. Well, Um, I think we can guess. Yeah, what what it was. was. Because there was no getting out to go to the toilet. So that's what people were doing. Then, you know, and I had a headache throughout the entire gig, which then my lump on my head, because I had quite a large lump, then got hit with all all things, a satsuma. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Managed to, someone managed to strike. It was because this is what happened, because I was tall for my age. Right. Uh, so I could see better than some, but I was obviously too tall. So they were punishing you by, by hitting you with satsumas and, and bottles of pee. Yeah. Oh dear. But yeah, you still couldn't see a lot. I mean, people were going nuts. But it was amazing, you know, amazing experience. I've yeah. never been in an environment like that before. And it didn't put you off future gigs? No. Well, evidently not, given the hundreds of times I've yeah. seen them since. So hang on, let me get my bearings. Milton Keynes was at the beginning of their no, misplaced... Middle, middle of middle, middle It was of kind of post the Misplaced Childhood tour. All right. But he was already... Fish was already feeling a bit exhausted or... He yeah. Was, yeah. He was they, were, they were... They were all... Already getting tired. And the thing that was keeping them going was their narcotics intake, basically. Right. As a, as a whole. 
and yeah. fish certainly drinking too much. There was no sense of this from the outside at, at that point, really. I think, you know, tabloids were trying to, you know, got, got wind of it and were trying to perhaps kind of catch the band in dubious scenarios. For, right. Um, yeah, particularly as they've become big. And I think it was no secret that Fish was a lover of a hedonistic life. But it was this was for me, it was like the kind of golden age because I had other albums to learn and, and oh, discover. Yeah, of course. And that, it, for me, it was a real, I remember Christmas 85, I got um, Script for Jester's Tear on tape. I remember listening to that. Uh, in oh wow, yeah, yeah, Christmas morning at my sister's house. Yeah, I remember getting on tape, and I got Walkman as well. And I had I, I, I listened sitting there on Christmas morning listening to script for Jester's Tear. I always think Christmas whenever I hear script now because oh that. right, and then yeah, and then Fugazi from there, and then of course all the B sides of the Twelve Inches. I remember that summer of '86, picking up. He knows you know on holiday in Great Yarmouth. There was a record fair. It was like, oh, I might be able to go and find some more Marillion. And I did. Aww. I got He Knows You Know on 12 Inch. Um, Back before you could just go online and look up anything yeah, and have yeah. it at your fingertips. It was exciting because as yeah. well, it gave, it gave me the chance to give all of those songs the opportunity, mm. you know, to establish themselves with me rather than now. It's like, uh, don't like that. Yeah, I... I absorbed them i gave them the time right so you really were there any that straight off you didn't like and then you after listening to them for a while they grew on you or did you just by then you liked them all straight away no i drank the kool-aid by then i was a meridian fan (laughs) (laughs) didn't matter as were of course practically every boy at my school Oh, this is really? the thing. This is so all the your thing. friends, everyone you knew. There were the boys that liked uh, soul music. Uh, okay. As it, but, and then on the other hand, there were the the, were the boys that liked rock. And yeah. every single one of them loved Marillion. There's never girls. Oh, it was really? never girls who liked Marillion. It was always the boys. And, and you know, they'd wear all the denim jackets with patches and all the rest of it. It's it's hard to think now how big they were really back in the eighties. Yeah, but but they really really were. So I had um, by this point, yeah, become that was it. I was a Marillion fan. They were my favourite band. So yeah. So while I was getting into them, Marillion were just just a perennial fixture on TV and were everywhere really. And I started recording any appearance I could. But yeah, while this was going on, the band were partying. They were mm-hmm. propping themselves up to keep going. Yep. And that's what fed into Clutching at Straws. That makes sense with what I've heard of Clutching at Straws. Yeah. They had uh, a, an initial abortive attempt at writing the album, which apparently, in their words, it all came across like Misplaced Childhood Part 2. They were trying to recapture what they'd done on that. Oh, oh they, in what way? Like musically, musically or lyrically? I think, musically, I think. And so they 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 trashed it all. They aborted it. After how long? Do you? I know? don't know. I'm well. Wow, bear in that mind. is really courageous of them to put so much time. I'm imagining a lot of time mm. if they if they had. A well, it's their album. longest gap between albums. Two years as opposed to the first three albums all came out. That you know, is a really 84, bold decision. 
Yeah. To scrap a whole bunch of work that you've put a ton of time into. They didn't want to repeat themselves. I don't know how okay. finished yeah. it was. It wasn't right. like it was a completed album. There wasn't yeah. like a misplaced childhood too written and done. It was more that the stuff that they were writing and jamming and, and putting together just sounded similar. Mm. So Fish had a concept again. Uh, Clutching at Straws is a concept album. It's It doesn't flow every song into each other in the way that Misplaced Childhood does. But there is a concept at the heart of it. We'll get to what that is, but I think it's, given everything that we know about what led into the album, I think it's, it's fairly yeah. obvious yeah. what was on Fish's mind. I don't think he hides it in any way. It's not like... Well, the irony is... I mean, is, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm really m- misguessing, but it seems quite clear. The irony is that he was hiding because oh, he, oh, he was? certainly at the time, he said, this is an album about a character called Torch. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. And he, okay, he did Torch that. now makes sense. Yeah, he did that because he was, he felt a bit exposed by how severe some of his ex- excesses were getting. So he hid them behind a character. Oh, right. And he, he felt, you know, my God, this is confession oh, time. I mean, it's not really that well hidden though, is it? Nah, not at all. But interviews around the time, he's like, oh, yeah, this song, Torch, dot, dot, dot. Is, oh, no. Yeah. It's like when <laughs> it's people like... talk about their friend has a question. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this character, Torch, yeah. who, because he liked using his torch a lot and his his landlord said he uses his torch a lot and everyone started calling him Torch. <laughs> and he joined a band yeah. called Terillion. Oh, yeah. It's about a character called Fash. <laughs> Fosh. He's <laughs> not anything like me. Derek Doc is his real name. His my name's Derek D. It's completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no similarities between us. No. So they got uh, Chris Kimsey produced Misplaced Childhood back on board for this, but they didn't. They weren't sent to Berlin this time. The uh, record company, I think, were aware that certain things were going on in the band. In oh. terms of drugs and drink, so right. they they sent them to. So was Berlin like an epicenter of drugs and drink at the time, or something? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a hedonistic place. So they said because quite a few bands recorded there, didn't they? Yeah, well, Bowie. So uh, I guess maybe it attracted a certain lifestyle. I don't I know. I think so. Yes, right. uh, a lifestyle which, if it were maintained, fish wouldn't reach thirty. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, yeah, you mean they, Torch? Sorry, Torch. Yeah, Fash. Fash. Um, so, yeah, they were sent to a, a studio halfway between London and Brighton, far away from London's temptations. Um, it didn't stop them going into Brighton, I think, and having oh, nights dear. out. There were tensions during the, the recording process. At one point, Rothers quit the band. No way. Yeah, well, after Fish threw a, a glass Rothers at him. like the oldest member of the band, not yeah. in age, but in length of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because Fish had thrown a glass at him. Pete crashed Whoa. his car. Um, why are you finding that so funny? I'm not. But it was it was also during this time that they that Fish certainly had concerns about John Arneson. Right. You know, because he was partying certainly as hard as the band. But the band were equally 
Yeah, you living, need, living the rock star life, shall yeah, we say. You need someone to be a designated driver, don't you? Mm. To sort of yeah, keep, yeah. The, keep the car safe and the passengers safe, metaphorically speaking. You need someone to be dad, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mum or dad. Yeah. So the... Uh, uh, the the album was preceded by the single Incommunicado. Oh, I see. Okay. Which went in at number six, which was Good I think going. the highest entry, but it kind of dropped down the charts the following week. It didn't stay at number six. Oh, still. Yeah, that's, I. That's excellent. I remember hearing it, and I remember describing it as like Market Square Heroes on you know on I don't know what I described it as. I said it's a bit like Market Square Heroes, but faster. That's what I said. <laughs> Glad you find that funny. Oh my goodness. I love that. <laughs> it's a bit like Market Square Heroes, but faster. But it kind of is, because they hadn't done it's got that widgy yeah, widgy keyboard yeah, yeah. thing. Now that do you know what? I didn't see this that rocky up tempo thing yeah, they haven't right. really done but also sort of had a playfulness about it anyway mm-hmm. yes. but I really I really liked it and the album I remember I remember hearing a bunch of the songs on Tommy Vance's Friday Rock Show on Radio 1 and I remember hearing Sugar Mice and getting a little bit teary <gasps> thinking this is going to be a good wow. album and the, uh, the day it came out I think it was a Monday they released albums on Mondays in those days I had a friend over a friend called Phil and I've been Ringing the record shop, our price going. Oh, is it out? Have we got it in yet? No, no, it's not here yet. Is it in yet? It's not here yet. And then so Phil had come over. I think he'd been there about half an hour. And I said, "Look, I've just got a ring to find out whether our price have got it." Um, and I, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, it's in." And I was like, "Sorry, you've got to go now. <laughs> I need to go buy the new Marillion album." I booted him out. Oh wow! That was that was the point. That you know, I'd lost it by that point. That's I was. It. I was Marillion came before everything else by then. Yeah, the extent of your passion. Yeah, yeah. Shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Before we do get into it, yes. Each song on the album, you won't have seen this because you probably listen to it on iTunes. I do, yeah. Each song has a bar next to its name, a real bar that was the inspiration for the lyrics for the song. Does it? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. That's that's all I've got to say. Oh, okay. About also, the so, cover. Let's just get the cover out of the way now. The cover's horrible. Oh, not, hang not, on. I haven't seen the Not cover. Mark Wilkinson's fault. He didn't have a lot of time. It's the first album cover, barring Real to Real, that has the the band's pictures on there, but then also there's a bunch of stuck-on figures of various hedonists overlaid on top of it. They changed the logo. It wasn't a gatefold. It's horribly sort of dark and oh, yeah. miserable. It's the first one that I kind of go, I look at now and go, I don't like that one. Do you know what? What? You like it the best. I don't hate it. Jesus Christ. I don't hate that. God help me. Yeah, God help us all. I think, I think it, I mean, I don't love it. Let's not pretend here, but I I actually don't hate it. 
Well, that's torch on the cover there. Is it? Can oh, you see what? Can you see what's in his? Can you see what's in his pocket? Oh God, no, Jester. With just a little one, don't. Okay. God, you're so anti-Jesters. I know. I can't help that yeah, either. Equal white rights for Jesters. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't know that's what torch would have looked like. He Very didn't look like fish. Fash. Okay, so wait before before we start. So you kicked your friend out of your house so you could go and buy the album. Yeah. And then you came home and listened to it. What was your first reaction? I remember listening to it. I remember being in bed listening to it with and reading the lyrics because this was you got to bear in mind this was really my first album as a Marillion fan Misplaced Childhood yes. I got it I wasn't a fan already this is the first time it was like new Marillion music yeah. brand new Marillion music you'd caught up on all the old yeah, albums yeah. you you de- developed your your passion had the fire of your passion had been stoked yeah. and ignited yeah and so I'd seen them live yeah you'd seen them live twice. Mm. And now a new album had come out. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It was for a long time my favourite Fisher album. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's Fisher's favourite Fisher album. I'm I'm aware of this. You've told me that before. It was I think Mark Kelly wow. certainly prefers Misplaced Childhood. So you you loved it more than Misplaced Childhood. Yeah. I'm my, not saying that's necessarily going to be. My brain is finding yeah. that difficult to comprehend, but uh, yeah, wow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna possibly revise that opinion by the end of this session. Possibly, possibly. I think I appreciated that it was um, individual songs as much as I loved the whole expanse of Misplaced Childhood. Mm. I liked <laughs> what I liked about Clutching at Straws is you go, oh, I'm just going to listen to that song or that song. Rather right. than was misplaced is an investment of time. Yeah. Whereas this, I could pick out bits that I liked and just listen to them in isolation. It would be a song that began and ended rather than just roll into the next one. That's a very practical reason. For well, you know me, I'm it. a very practical person. <laughs> I don't know. I possibly listened to it more at the time, misplaced. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't feel I had to listen to it all in order, all in one go. Right. Shall we then? So there you go. So okay, we open yes. with a suite of songs, which is generally these days referred to as the Walmart Circles trilogy. Mm-hmm. But in terms of individual tracks, Hotel Hobbies, Walmart Circles, also a single, and That Time of the Night. Okay. What's your take, Sanya? Okay. Um. I mean, I have to give... My overall thoughts first. About the album as a whole? I've been on a real roller coaster ride with it. Mm. So my takes change. I found it really hard you did, to get you? into. I purposely left more time between misplaced childhood and starting to listen to clutching at straws because I knew what was I knew what was gonna happen. It's like misplaced childhood was on such a pedestal that I knew that anything that came after it, if unless it was absolutely phenomenal, it had a risk of me just going, no, I don't like it. And unfortunately, that was my first experience of it. You, I you hadn't it. had two years between albums. I hadn't had two years. I'd barely had a week. Maybe I think, maybe I did leave it a week. And I was listening to it and the whole time I was just kind of going, trying to will myself to like it. Imagine a step parent comes into your life or something and you're like, you're not my real mum. <laughs> like, you're not the real album. Wow. And, and the whole time fi- And Fish like, hasn't even left yet. <laughs> they haven't even got in the step singer. Was, the 
step singer. Um, yeah, so it, oh, I don't know why. Like, I really wanted to like it. I really did. And I'm like, please grow on me. Please grow on me. And then with each song, I just couldn't. And I think I think it was just that I didn't, I didn't leave enough time. Mm. Because then subsequent listens, it did grow on me. I think what happened, I oh know this is what happened. So I listened to it the first time and I was like, oh no, how am I going to talk about this on the podcast? Because I really, it's okay. I don't hate it, but I really don't love it. Like It's just nowhere near as good as Misplaced Childhood. And then so what I did was like, I have to listen to, I have to look at the lyrics straight away instead of, I think with the previous albums, I'd listen to them a few times and then look at the lyrics. Whereas this time it was like, I listened to it once and then straight away looked at the lyrics and that did help. Mm. So that helped it grow on me. And then with each listen, I have, I have grown to love it more and more. So now I quite enjoy it. There's, quite. there's, there's been a huge, oh, sorry. Quite Qu- enjoy it. I quite, well, okay. I don't love it as much as Misplaced. I'm not listening to it going, oh, I wish I was listening to Misplaced Childhood right now, which I did do the first time. Yeah, I, I've i always said this about Marillion albums, and my favourite yeah. Marillion albums I never loved on first listen. Right. Uh, I always, there was there were bands that I feel you've got to give a chance to. Mm. And Misplaced, I had it in isolation, so I had like plenty of time to let that bed in. I was, I was intrigued by it at first, but I never loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, certainly some of their laser albums, Marbles, Brave, both of those, I kind of on first listen went, oh, yes, all right. Um, mm. And then subsequently they're, they're kind of considered two of the, the band's best albums, but clutching, I've suffered the same thing as you. Misplaced Childhood is such a work of art. Yeah. And I'm talking musically and lyrically and vocally and everything. And it had such an effect on us as well. Yeah, it did. It really, we really immersed ourselves in it. And so coming to Clutching, you know, remember I said this for a long time was my favourite Marillion Fish Era album. Mm. It isn't anymore. It's now misplaced. Wow. So that's changed just because of this exercise. Yeah. Really? And you feel that way even. Now, that- yeah, I've been listening back to it. Yeah. I still think Misplaced Childhood is the better album. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty on Clutching the Straws that I think is is amazing, mm. and I think it's it's consistently probably their second strongest Fish Era album. Mm. But after, but after Misplaced, it's Misplaced is just such a a high watermark. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I was list- like on the first listen, this is how um, affected I was. I was like, oh, I like Fugazi better than this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Fugazi was a good album, but to sort of go, oh, okay, you're not even going to give it a chance to be its own thing. Mm. So, yeah, I felt bad for it. But it, what- has, it has grown on me. What has surprised me with this is I am noticing in there the fracturing between Fish and the rest of the band. And I think Mm. what Misplaced had, it was they were never before been so cohesive as a unit. Yeah. And here, whether it's because I know what's coming now and I'm trying to listen to it with with slightly different ears, it's like I can hear Fish ripping himself away from the band or them drifting apart. And part of that is down to the fact that I 
for the first time in the music, I can really hear advanced signs of, sorry, it sounds like I'm talking about dementia or something, but advanced signs of, of where they went with H. Like uh, what? Well, we can talk about it in... When we get to the songs. Yeah, get to the songs. But musically, they're establishing a slightly different sound here. More so than I had realised before. It, it's, there are elements that sound similar to Misplaced Childhood, mm. but also there are elements that sound very, very similar to the sort of stuff that they were doing on Season's End, their first album with Steve Hogarth. Oh, and I hadn't realised that. And there's even, you know, all right, let's, let's jump ahead, but the last straw, the final track, I hadn't realised that the similarities with, with the song King from Afraid of Sunlight, which is oh, really? a few albums ahead. There's, there's definitely that, the way it ends... Yeah, it surprised me listening to it and really, really listening to it as opposed to having it on in the background because I'm familiar with it. It was Mm. like sort of trying to give it the opportunity. I'm seeing the two of the the two camps kind of starting to drift apart. I think I picked up on that because I did at one point even write it in the way that in misplaced childhood it really felt like the music was supporting the lyrics mm-hmm. and they felt it they felt like both of them were just as important as each other there were parts of this album not all of it but there were parts of this album where it felt like the music was just secondary to the lyrics mm-hmm. it was just kind of like not tacked on that sounds mean mm-hmm. but it it didn't it didn't feel like a cohesive yeah for me i don't think piece. the music here is tacked on at all i think it's it's got musically it's some of their strongest stuff but music and lyric and fish's vocals and lyrics it's almost like they're they're doing it in a separate room yeah um, yeah there, there isn't that sense of communication of there, the, it feels yeah. like a lack of communication the synchronicity that synergy that was there yeah there are certain songs where I do feel it, where it's mm. like, oh, wow, this is great. This is amazing. But there are certainly some that I'm just like, oh, mm. not really enjoying the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah, it surprised me. It it really surprised me that it felt, uh, God, I'm going to be lynched by Marillion fans for saying this. Because Clutching is certainly among plenty of fans considered their best album the Fish Era album. So right. I consider it their best album, full stop. But it feels, in some respects, a bit of a regressive step from Misplaced Childhood. Mm. Yeah. But that just could be us because we were too close to Misplaced Childhood. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, I, maybe if we'd had a two-year gap. Because I have to say, I listened <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah, everyone, the next episode is going to be out in two, <laughs> two years' time. Years. So, you know, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to it this morning. It was like, okay, one final listen before we do the podcast. And it came on and I I straight away enjoyed it. Yeah. Which is so different to that first listen I, I had of it. Yeah. Oh, God, look, it sounds like we're being really negative, but this is all really in, it's all relative compared to Misplaced Jarvis yes. is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's still a great Marillion album. It is, yes, exactly. Uh, and and this and this is exactly the reason why I didn't really want to listen to it so close to Misplaced Childhood, because I knew I was going to do that. Yeah. I knew that it was just going to fall in Misplaced Childhood's shadow. Mm. And, and that's has. not fair to it. Hobbies. I don't know how I'm going to talk about any of these songs. 
Well, why don't you week. deal with it, the, the trilogy as a whole then? Mm, okay. Um, mm, no, I don't know if I can do that either. All right, let me just Let's just start. not do it. Let's just end it here. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> okay, Hotel Hobbies. Let's see what I've written. I said, at first, I didn't love the music. Although I did quite enjoy the electric guitar in the beginning and the keyboard that kind of sounded like a xylophone. It gave me a kind of like an idea of an 80s TV show. Oh. Which I've said before, but it's happening again. And the song did grow on me in subsequent listens, but my first listen, aside from that intro with the electric guitar and the keyboard... I didn't really like the sound of it. Wow. So, yeah. So, meaning, ah, I kind of know, but it seems like he, when he sings Happy Hour, he sounds angry. He's talking about the short straw took its bow. So, I, the short straw is usually being chosen to do an undesirable task. I mean, I know you've told me that this album is his deciding that he's had enough. Mm, of well, one in song band. in particular. One song in the particular. I'm guessing that this song is him on on the way to that point because it's like do you cry in happy hour do you hide in happy hour so it may be about okay so now we've established it's about torch torch hiding in alcohol do you want my take on it yeah yeah give me your take your, on it i'm struggling, struggling to, to it's a little song it. it's it's this album pseudo silk kimono right i think it okay. sets the scene yeah but there's a couple of lines in there I think are key to the theme of the album. I think the, the frantic is a cardiograph. I think that's yeah. really interesting, scratching out the lines. You know, he's, he's equating the writing yeah. to keeping him alive. Yes, because I did pick up on that. The only sign of life is the tickling of the pen, introducing characters to memories like old friends. Yeah. See, that line as well, introducing characters to memories like old friends. It's almost, there's almost sort of a meta level. He's almost like telling us what he's doing as he's doing yeah. it. It's yeah. like, these are my memories. Oh, but here's Torch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was quite clever. The other thing as well, which I think is really key, is the title of the album, Clutching at Straws. Fish is great, it is double meanings. Mm -hmm. And here you have the meaning of clutching at straws, of desperation, drawing the short straw, getting the raw end of the deal. However, draws certainly in rock star circles can be used... With the consumption of cocaine. Oh, I was thinking, okay, this is where I'm a girl. I was like, oh, you drink your drinks through straws. So it's. Well, it could be that as well. Look, you probably not. Yeah, you probably back. don't drink like beer or whiskey through a straw. You do don't you? really want to drink whiskey through a straw. No. What? <laughs> what? You'd have to be a psychopath to drink whiskey through a straw. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> So it's like clutching at straws, like clutching at the drinks. I think it's more to do with cocaine. I think that's the double meaning here. It's, ah. it's, it refers to the desperation and it's him being clever. I think it's, I think, I think it's great. The short uh, straw took its bow. Yeah. So what, do you, what does that mean to you? Again, I was double like, meaning. Is it, but took its bow, is it like the I final the bow? Like the unpleasant task is about to come to an end. So it's taking that final bow. Maybe. Or what would, what would you say it means? I think it's again. It's the same thing. It's the double meaning. You know, you got the you got the short straw. He's not enjoying this lifestyle. He's not. He's he's got what he wanted. Right. And I think this is as well. We've got a. This is a harder album to talk about the songs individually. Yeah. Because 
they're really all about one thing. With yes. A couple, with a couple yeah. of exceptions. So yeah. maybe we'll just do okay. talk about it generally as we go through. And pause. Uh, yeah, we'll take a, a broad view of it, but pause on each, each song. song. Okay. And I think for me, it it this is a guy who got the thing he thought he wanted mm-hmm. that would make him happy, and it hasn't. And now he's just trying to get through it. Yeah. yeah and for, the only way he can get through it is by being chemically and, yeah. <laughs> wrapped in a chemical blanket of alcohol or drugs. Yeah. That's yeah. what's keeping him going. That and work, you know, I get a sense of workaholism. But that it's doesn't like, seem you know, enjoyable. I have to do this work. Absolutely not enjoyable. He's not enjoying it. No. So, yeah, for me, Hotel Hobbies is, is just to see, so it, it's the overture that leads into the album. I, personally, I'm surprised you don't like the music. I love the music on this. No, I didn't like it the first time oh, around. Okay. I don't know why. I was in a weird mood. It's like, it's really, you know, I've got this stupid attachment now to misplaced childhood. It, I know it's unfair and I know it's irrational. So, But that first time, it was hard going yeah I know. it has grown on me i uh, it has yeah. really it has really grown on me but this the the hotel hobby section and the warm wet circle section i love them i love warm wet circles oh I, musically warm wet circles is beautiful i do think though warm wet circles was rather like garden party a weird choice for single but there you go what hang on a minute warm wet circles was a single yeah. That didn't that didn't click. Warm Wet Circles was a yeah, single. It's a weird single. Isn't and it, it got to number five. No, no, what? No, you've plucked that out of thin air. Oh. It got to like, I don't know, twenty-nine or something like that. I'm that Oh okay, we that. were talking about something else. Yeah, we were talking oh. about Incommunicado went in oh, at that's number six. It. That's the album it. went in okay. at number two. There you go. No, it, I was getting it confused with Incommunicado, which I can understand as a single. I cannot understand Warm Wet Circles as Always a single. Always thought it was a weird single. It's it's for me, it's basically a list. He's looking out of a pub window, saying mm. what he sees. That's what I wrote. Um, I did write it's, oh, let me find, the things you see when you live your life in bars and pubs. Yeah, that's. I think that's what it is. And Fish, uh, as certainly at the time, tried to apply a little bit more meaning to it, saying that, um, you know, torch, it's about torch, torch in quotes, going back to his old haunts and seeing how he used to be and it scares him. He watches all the drunks in the bar late at night, tracing the circles from their glasses with their fingers. Alcoholics always do that. Ah. Is that your understanding of what a warm, wet circle is? Well, I I was wondering because the circle is closed. It's like a closed loop. Mm. So it's like being trapped in a cycle. There's no way out. Yeah. But it's warm. It's comforting because it's a habit that you're used to, mm. you know, in that you need or you feel you need in order to cope. So that's how I experienced a warm, wet circle. Um. Yeah. Well, suffice to say, the band had uh, a slight difference of opinion about the title of the song and whether to release a song called Warm, Wet Circles. Oh, right. Given that fish, again, it's him with a double meaning. Yes, it means the beer stains on a bar. Mm. However, there are other types of warm, wet circles to which, which he fish, does, Which he does yeah. elaborate upon. But I just thought in the general... Meaning of the yeah, album. Yeah, baby. I don't know. I, I just always saw it it's as... It's about breaking as, out of that warm, wet circle. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, certainly I saw it as the, it's comforting. You know, I, I can not back a drink and I'm not alone because I've got my warm, wet circles for company. Yeah. But I think it's also about his addictions to, well, aside from drink, 
other things. And tax. Oh. <laughs> oh. I always remember this. There was a, a a show on ITV that they tried to do a version of Top of the Pops. I think it was called The Roxy. Mm. I remember it was presented by David Kidd Jensen and this other guy. And I remember them introducing Warm Wet Circles and the guy was like, I don't know what it means. Oh. <laughs> Wing. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, one interesting thing that came to mind for me at the end of the song was when he was talking about the wedding ring, the wedding ring destined to be found in a cheap hotel. I love that bit. Lost in a kitchen sink or thrown in a wishing well. I was wondering if that was symbolic with his commitment to the band. Mm. Like if he was already toying with the idea of breaking that commitment. So like the wedding mm. ring, like his commitment to be with the band is destined to just be discarded. Well, that, for that, Series of lines there: a wedding ring destined to be found in a cheap hotel, lost in a kitchen sink, or thrown down a wishing well. There's some of his finest lyrics. Yeah, I think that's, it's gorgeous, you know, isn't it? and the music that underscores that part mm. that leads into uh, that time of the night. Yeah, it's that sort of interlude. Yeah, which is Rothers doing that whole kind of atmospheric guitar thing, and the oh, it's lovely. Yeah, but yeah, it could be that. I think it's more him in the way that he does. Jumping ahead to Sugar Mai says, when I talk to the kids on the phone, mm-hmm. he didn't have kids at that point. So I think there's part of him. He'd met tomorrow at this. Seeing it into the, like projecting his mind. Kind of like yeah. when he did with Punch and Judy. Yeah. So going like, yeah. if I was. Well, I continue think he's, on this I think he's saying Torch was married. Oh, Torch. With kids. Oh, I see. Um, okay. So there is elements of him hiding behind a character here, mm-hmm. or like multiple layers of character, because there's fish, there's Torch, fish, and then Derek. Right. Uh, it's like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> Rockception. <laughs> Yay! Fishception. 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 Say, say that ten times fast. Fishception. Um Yeah, so I think there is an element of, of being a character here. And I think that, for me, that was all it, all it ever was. So it wasn't symbolic. Because there was oh, also maybe. another thing I was, one part of the song, I was wondering if it was symbolic. And that was where the, the school girls um, and the girl at the end of the song who's giving it all away are somehow representative of Fish because he, he when he joined the band, he was young and starry-eyed and hopeful that this was going to, make his I don't know fulfill his dreams or whatever so he was like the schoolgirls. he didn't have that wisdom that age might bring mm. he just kind of went into this commitment put his faith in the happiness that the commitment to the band promised to bring him but then in the end he just ended up metaphorically getting undressed and laying bare his emotions and pain and giving it all away to the yeah. to the um crowd or you maybe think that's not I don't know not, fish, really fish just that. describes it as him Fearing getting trapped in a, you know, I think the life that that he came from. That's how he's described it. I always saw it as more. Oh, fearing. He described it as him fearing getting trapped in the life that he came from. Yeah. So but it's I, kind of him wanting really like the that. life of fame, are you saying? That seems to be. Okay, look, he says, well, it's what I said. It, it's like the song's about small hometown stuff, the dangers of getting trapped into the nine to five, then going down to the pub and talking about things you'll never really do. Like, oh, I'd like to drive a Cadillac across America or backpack over the Himalayas. And the local hero is the best darts player and you marry the girl you met in the pub at 16. 
That's his description. Mm-hmm. I always saw it more. I saw it differently. I yeah. saw it, some of those scenes that were from Misplaced Childhood as a loss of innocence mm. and, and a yearning for that innocence. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. But or maybe, maybe Fish is wrong and Fish doesn't really realise. Maybe he doesn't realise what that subconsciously what was coming through. Yeah is something different to what he thought was coming through consciously. I, I honestly believe that. Sorry, Fish, for saying you you weren't <laughs> you weren't being honest. But I think there is an element of him when you look at it in the context of the rest of the album. There's there's absolutely a sense that the life he has got isn't bringing him happiness and a yearning yeah. for something more simple. That's that's the sense I got from the album. So yeah. Apart from incommunicado. But. And then, but then we get into at that time of the night where Fish pretty much comes out and says, I hate this job. Yeah, And I, I don't like the band. And yeah. it's it's stunning, really, that no one stopped to kind of go, you're right, mate. There were a couple of times when I was listening to it that I kind of just wanted to go, Fish, are, are you okay? Like, you just you just want to help him. This This whole album even though he's hiding behind a character and there's elements of it that where he's being the gung-ho rock star, mm-hmm. it's a really desperate album. Yeah. He's a he's in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And I think this as well, given that we're not doing this exercise on a surface level, we're trying to go deeper, you and I, I'm talking about. And I think for me, that's why this as well hasn't sat as easily with me as Misplaced Childhood. Because... I'm finding it quite uncomfortable in places. I'm finding it uncomfortable. Criticism triggers off a loaded room. Yeah, come on, he's talking about the band there. If they're doing the recording of this, they're throwing glasses at each other and people are quitting. And then I could honestly tell you we've been taken on a very long ride. Yeah. If my owners Owners. let me, owners let me have some free time someday with all good intentions, I would probably run away. Yeah. Then your confidence wounded in a free fire zone back to assassin yeah. so if you ask me where do i go from here my next destination isn't really that clear there was no way he was staying in the band mm. he was he was gone yep. he was going through he was a dead man walking effectively he yeah. was going through the motions after after clutching the straws came out and i think any of us who've ever asked the question what would marillion have been like if fish had stayed all right we've had some demos from what could have come after clutching the straws but there was no possibility of him staying the band have speculated about oh if they'd had some time off from touring gone away rather than gone away and written some soundtracks fish had done a solo album maybe then they could have come back together Mm. but it didn't happen and i think fish needed a career on his own terms whether that works out for him or not I think ultimately he needed to be in charge of his own destiny. Yeah. Because he was finding it too restrictive and too, just too hard. He sounds like he's trapped or imprisoned. I mean, and if my owners let me have some free time someday, he hasn't got any space to breathe or something like that. And like, um, my interpretation was it's only at that quiet time late at night that he can actually feel his own real feelings and he realizes actually i'm not i'm not happy this isn't what i want well yeah it's funny you should say alone at night because the quote i got from thank you fraser marshall from meridian explanation of some elements was fish saying as he has done on a few occasions that it that song was his resignation statement and he says 
somebody brought some coke down to the studio. I ended up doing a couple of lines and then suddenly I was in a bedroom. There was no alcohol and I couldn't sleep. And I wrote most of the lyric that night feeling really alienated. Wow. That's, mm. That really comes across. Yeah, that feeling alienated, that's what comes across in the song. Yeah. And then at the end of it, there's the call back to warm, wet circles, yeah. which is where I was like, oh my goodness, he's trapped in a cycle, in a circle. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, a warm, wet circle yeah. going round and round. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I think you're onto something there. Mm. You're clever. <laughs> well, Fish is clever. He's the one that came Fish up also, with it. when he said it, he meant um, fannies. <laughs> <laughs> He's trapped in a fanny. Help, get me out. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, let's move on. Going Under. Yes. Which was the B-side of Incommunicado and only featured... Yeah, only originally featured on the CD version of the album. So the album version that I got originally didn't have Going Under on. It went from the Warm Work Circles trilogy in that time of the night into Just For The Record. Um, I can't imagine the album without it now, but mm. it's only a little song. Yes, it is. But I think it's quite... Po- I think this is... I've written here... I've written in my notes, I feel really worried about him when I read these lyrics. Yeah, well, like interestingly, in a bad way. the um, Fish's sleeve notes, he says he played it to uh, Tamara, his, his soon-to-be wife, and she said, what am I doing wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she thought it was her fault. Yeah. No, it wasn't you, Tamara. Well, what is interesting about this is that he improvised the lyric. He made it up on the spot. Oh. Yeah, which is why some of it is a bit odd. Mm -hmm. Lyrically, it doesn't quite flow. I didn't really like the sound of this at first because it sounded like musically, like he was, it was a bit of a no man's land of Mm. a song. But then I realised, yeah, he is in a no man's land. When he sings it, yeah. it does sound like he's out of his depth. It feels like he's lost at the bottom of a glass or a yeah. bottle. He's yeah. like sort of floating around. Yeah. yeah. If I did a video for this song, I would have fish on his back in a martini glass. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could <laughs> Isolated, drifting out to sea. Yeah, I sort of love it, weirdly. Even though oh, it, really? it's kind of a bit of a small, little inconsequential sort of linking song Mm. and even though it features lyrics such as i took to the drink like something says it's maybe which doesn't really mean anything yeah well that's him making it up on the spot which he admits some of it was a bit gobbledygook ah okay but i love it in the context of of the flow of the album which is why i can't imagine the album without it now and i it's just some nice rothers guitar on there that Mm. really real atmosphere yeah. I'll try anything once okay. and that's the way we should be, but it's always the same, getting caught up once again or caught up again in a habit. A habit I just can't shake off the way it always turned out. Oh, cry for help. Yeah. He says, am I, am I so crazy? And then I just wanted to rescue him and go, no, fish, you're not crazy. You've had too much on your plate, but too much an, pressure I, on you for too long. The way that, that final line works in the song, am I so crazy? As it sort of echoes into the the guitar yeah Uh, yeah it's nice i like it more now well let's keep going because i think 
you know, we will be talking about the, the album as a whole as much as we are about individual tracks. Yes. So just for the record. Just for the record. Here we go. I love Just For The Record. Wow. I love the sound of it. Like musically, I love Just For The Record. This always reminded me of when I was younger. And there's still bits of it that kind of do now. Always reminded me of The Police. Oh, really? Not The Police, but The Band. The Band The Police. The police. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Just sort of had a kind of white reggae sort of... I don't know. It's the the kind of classic alcoholics refrain of, yeah, I've got a problem, I could stop. But he literally sings in the song, I yeah. could stop any day. Just a little less painful here when my back's against the wall. I don't want to be living like this either, but I need this. It's just getting me through. Mm. I'm this just is finding helping, inspiration. This is help, yeah. helping, yeah, it's, it's helping, giving me inspiration. It's, it's helping. It's helping me get through this um, difficult time or like this pressure. But don't worry, as soon as I'm out of here, I'll stop. Hmm. Can I just do a quick shout out to Mark Kelly's none more prog keyboard solo during this as well? It's so prog. It's one of the proggiest things I've ever done, that keyboard solo. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, it's, it's a nice little song. Yeah, a nice little song. About something really awful and yeah. depressing. Yeah. Alcoholism. Just another writer paying off my dues. Just finding inspiration. Well, that's my excuse. Oh. It oh. reminded me a bit of He Knows You Know. It's like he knows yeah. he's got an issue. You don't have to tell him. Don't have a go at him. He knows he's drinking too much, but he's just, you know, he needs it at the moment because it gives him inspiration. It's helping him write all these albums. He's got a lot of work to do, a lot of performing and and stuff like that so don't don't have a go at him it'll be fine once he's out of this cycle it's very yeah you're right it's definite thematic similarities there's also the line there as well just another comic actor behind a tragic mask Ooh, the jester well yeah him hiding behind a character again yeah the fish character oh my goodness he's gone from the jester dropped it in misplaced childhood and now he's picked up torch yeah. So it's not just a mask that he puts in front of his face now. Now it's a whole entire person. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. Mm. You know what's so sad? Especially he got to the end of Misplaced Childhood and it was like he'd found himself mm. again. Yeah, I know. It's really that. I and think, he's, is what's lost, me. he's lost himself. Because of this relentless doors. lifestyle. There was that little element of hope. And this album does not end with any hope. No, it doesn't. This album ends on a really bleak note. Yeah. And that, it's really sad, yeah. as you say. it's That's tragic. It is, because he really felt like, I think why Misplaced works so well is because it takes you on a real journey and then it does have a happy ending. Yes. Ironically, the final track on this album is called Happy Ending, yeah. even though it's not technically a song. But I, they put that in there, I think, as a bit of irony because it was ended on such a downbeat note. Mm. Wow. Oh dear, oh dear, God, depressing bloody album. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to uh, anti-Semitism. Is it? White Russian, what do you think it's about? Oh, well I didn't think it had anything to do with anti-Semitism. I had a bit of a, an experience with this song 
Named after a drink, by the way. Yes, milk and vodka, I think, mm, with delicious. some coffee liqueur. Never had. Have you ever had a white Russian? Yeah. Are they nice? All right. Sounds a bit like Bailey's kind of. Bailey's has coffee, mm. whiskey, I think, and milk. Imagine if they call cream. the song Bailey's. Someone, <laughs> someone needs to write a song called Bailey's, please. <laughs> Yes. If there hasn't been a song written about Bailey's, get cracking yeah. musicians of the world. So you didn't? Okay, sorry. I thought this was. I didn't. Was th- I couldn't see the anti-Semitism. I mean, at first, the first time I listened to it, I was like, "Oh, I'm guessing it's something about the mil- military, political ter- terrorism, and oppression." Um, there was a lot of political extremist imagery, but mm. I wasn't like a hundred percent sure. Um. And then, I mean, I was a bit, I didn't really like the sound of it. I looked at the lyrics after the first listen, still didn't like it anymore. And then some time passed and I listened to it again and I was like, oh, because I was like, it's such a personal album. Where does this fit? How on earth? is such an impersonal song because it's like all about looking outwards seemingly Mm. and about like the outside world. And then it was like, oh my goodness, what if the feeling of this song is how he was feeling at the time? Like, you know, Uzi's on the street corner, they're they're weapons, aren't they? They're guns. What if that's like, he's feeling like he's got no privacy everywhere he goes, there's people ready to shoot like paparazzi ready to shoot him photographically. Um, I think it's more literal than that. Oh, it's more literal? Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, you know, when he mentioned gulags and stuff, it was like, is he feeling like he's being worked to death? Not here. I don't think he, there's any double meaning. He's literally talking about gulags and Uzis. Ah, uh, okay. So I, I, get, I misread I get it. Why. I was trying to see if there was a personal link to it Well, fishes, yeah. Fishes try to... I think slightly crowbarring it into the con um, the concept of the album is that he says it's torch observing things that attack his conscience and make him feel like he should face up to reality. So there's a big fight between the two halves of torch, the realist and the escapist, but he chooses to run away and catches a plane home saying um, he's in a real mess at the moment. The because, character. you know, it starts with where do we go from here? Yeah. I thought it was him trying to decide like, okay, I don't want to be in this band. What, what do I do now? It's it, Well, it's a song about the rise of the far right, which my God, how timely is this song now? Yeah. It's particularly then it was talking about the rise of the far right or the resurgence of the far right in Austria. And when he talks about swastikas spat from aerosols, yes, he's being literal. Why Austria? I think he got talking to someone in a, a bar or a DJ or someone who was Jewish and was telling her about the way some politicians were using the rhetoric of the far right. Ah, and I see. Again, as I say, my God, how timely or how, unfortunately, has this not gone away and yeah. we're back in that place again now, but it's global. Yeah. And you, I think at the last Marillion weekend, I think H did sing it. Um, and they were doing their 30th anniversary of clutching at straws night. The chasing the clouds home is him running away from responsibility and his his conscience. So when he says, but to stand up and fight, I know we have 6 million reasons. That's referring to the Holocaust. Yes. Okay. 
right? That's why it wasn't quite tying in with what I w- how I was interpreting it. And there I was thinking, oh, he feels like he's in a war zone, even the alcohol. Because, you know, like he, he couldn't finish, like he was drinking his white mm. ration, but even that wasn't enough to distract him from all the stuff that was going on around him. I just thought that was, I was completely wrong. That's okay. Fine. <laughs> Fine then. <laughs> so, Do you like the song? Oh ish i think lyrically it's great it's not my favorite marillion song and it's certainly not my favorite song on the album do you know why i'm hesitating because it's another one of those marillion sacred cows that people seem oh to think i see you don't want classic. to you don't want to upset anyone i well yeah, i will with your, <laughs> you know, I will, with I, your controversial oh i gladly opinion. will i was just trying to word it in a way look i know i don't massively like it. i like the end more than the rest of it I like the the chasing the clouds home. Yeah, I love that as yeah. a, as an outro. Again, this is one of those songs that for me foreshadows the H era. Oh, in what way? Well, you haven't got to season's end yet. Like lyrically or musically? From musically, no, musically. musically. Okay. It it feels to me like a sister song to a track called Berlin that's on season's end album. Oh. I thought I always thought they were similar musically. Mm. I actually prefer Berlin to this. But yeah, I don't love it. I'm sorry everyone. I know I know you all probably do. Um Is there anyone out there that doesn't love it? Yeah, but I think it's got a good message. Yes. Well, the message seems to be run away. <laughs> don't deal with the issue. It's got a but, depressing you know. message, but no, well, it's not. That, it's not that's clashing at straws, everyone. No, depressing. I don't even think it like it's not even a message, it's just a kind of almost like a news segment, sort of a, a snapshot of the mm. state of the world. So in in my opinion, it's not necessarily even a, you know, now I've changed it since finding out that it's not a personal mm. s- uh, song. Yeah, it, it feels now that maybe it's kind of like a, a, a snapshot photograph of the state of the world, mm. which is an, not a very happy one. No. Okay, not my favourite song either. Sorry, everyone. Incommunicado. Yay! I love Incommunicado. AKA Marcus Square Heroes, but faster. <laughs> According to me, age 15. Aww. <laughs> Thanks, 15-year-old Paul. Yeah, for that insight. Aww, <laughs> I never I never saw the link. Well, Marillion were worried about this, that it sounded, they, in their words, that it sounded too much like The Who. Which I, oh, okay. Which I can kind yeah, of see, but Fish's voice... I see that. Fish's voice is so different to Roger Daltrey's that I don't think you notice it unless you're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is fish being fish. Yes, yes. He does his um, whole bringing the crowd together mm. here with the repetition of incommunicado. And I'm sorry, he's not even hiding behind torch in this. I, a marquee veteran. He describes him. I'm a marquee veteran. Ah. You know, so torch is meant to be like an author. I think. Oh, is he? So I thought Torch I'm, was. Oh God, I'm pretty now I'm sure. So confused. I'm pretty I sure. I thought Torch was a singer. No. Oh, Torch is an author. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that not many authors have played the Marquee Club. <laughs> It'd be very interesting. Someone on stage writing a book. 
yeah, I'm not sure how how interesting a show that would be. No. Just watch someone write. Yeah, um, I love the sound of it. I love that there's a kind of almost stadium echo behind certain parts, mm. which gives it gives it like a bigger sound, like almost larger than life, mm. which it links to what he's singing about. Like this is one of the a, moments, a, a, yeah. a life that is larger than ordinary life. This is one of those moments, though, where Band and Fish are perfectly in sync. Yes, they are. On this album. Yes, they are. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot of I fun. I agree. Yeah. Although, of course. Although then it did make me get confused because I'm like, oh, a few songs ago he was talking about how he's sick of this all. And now he's saying how he wants to be famous and have his hands in concrete in... On Sunset Boulevard. On Sunset Boulevard and be a wax figure in Madame, Madame, Two Swords and Mm. stuff like that. So it's like... But this is what Fish. What does he really want? This is Fish putting the mask back on. I think we've had a lot of right. Derek on this album. Yeah. I think there were points on the album where the line between Derek and Fish are getting blurred just for the record. Is right. When, you know, I can stop any day. Yeah. The grease paint is washing off with all the alcohol. And, yeah. And the cracks are showing there. Yeah. Whereas here, this is, no, hey, you know, he's had his first drinks of the night. Yeah. He's probably done, yeah, he's probably done a line of coke and he's ready to go out and party. And I'm fish, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, but then, how does that tie into the title, Incommunicado, which means unreachable? You can't, unwilling or unable to be reached. Is is he talking about his true self? If he's famous, is yeah. un- well, isn't that, able that, to be reached? Doesn't that then work in, yeah, work perfectly? You know, yeah, no, is, it does. But yeah. then he's like acting like he, it's what he wants. So, well, perhaps he's trying to kid himself at this uh, point. He's trying to convince himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it yeah. is a party song. But with a really, when you when you look at the rest of the oh my album, goodness, like with a um, sad kind of underpinning. Part of Lothian. Yeah. Yeah, he's done it again, everybody, giving your party yeah. song underneath yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that song you were singing about, yeah, he was an alcoholic. It's not fun. <laughs> Stop enjoying yourselves. I know. Stop enjoying yourselves, everyone. <laughs> How can you enjoy it when when you know well, what it's yeah. about? We've ruined, we've ruined so many good Meridian songs for everyone now. Well, for ourselves, yeah. nah, we can still enjoy. We'll just enjoy yeah. the music. You can take them. this one at face value, yeah, if you want to, yeah. Or you could be like us and just unnecessarily pick it apart for the sake of a podcast and then depress yourself. <laughs> yeah. It got me. It did. There were parts of this album where I actually felt down after, like looking yeah. at the lyrics and stuff. I was just, it got to me, and I'm like, no, he's doing it again. He's getting to me again. Oh, hats off again, by the way, to Mark Kelly for the keyboards in this. Yes. It's all about Mark, this song. Yes. I I made a note of that. I especially yeah. love the keyboards in this. Absolutely exquisite. Yeah. This time keyboards, not just guitar can be exquisite. Torch yeah. song. Should we move on? Oh, my God. Okay. Ouch. Oh, my God. I wasn't expecting that. I really don't like torch song. Let me explain. I don't like the sound of Torch Song. Wow. I get, I completely understand why it sounds like it does. Okay, first of all, I love the sound effects in the beginning of like the <laughs> bottle being uncorked and yeah. the glass being filled of up. we have but the Doctor. The Doctor, love that. Which a direct quote from Fish's actual Doctor, if you maintain this lifestyle, you won't reach 30. That was actually... Wow. And of course, Fish there replying, it's, it's a romantic way to go. Part of the heritage. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure that's a great idea, but 
Right. I wrote that his voice, it sounds worn out. And it to me, it sounded like he was singing right at the end of a late night. But it fits. It fits because I looked up Jack Kerouac as well. Mm. And he was, well, you probably already know. Yeah. Do you want to say it? Well, who he is. Yeah, well, he was a famous say? hedonist and writer. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was an author who inspired Bob Dylan and the Beatles and other rock and rollers. Johnny Depp. He inspired Johnny Depp as well. Yeah. Johnny Depp played him in a film. Oh, really? Yeah. What film was that? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That was about him. Yeah. Get out of here! I had no idea. He mainly wrote autobiographical novels. Yeah, so I could already trips. see a link. Yeah. Between that and Fisher's autobiographical songs, yeah, I think here he's kind of going. Or torch. I can be like I'm. I'm just like Kerouac. Yeah, you it's know, romanticized because yeah. yeah, he died of an internal hemorrhage. Yeah, he's romanticizing the drinking here because of justifying yeah, alcoholism. it to himself. Yeah, justifying. It's, yeah. it's romantic. It's artistic. Mm. It's almost spiritual because apparently, but I nearly called him Bert Kerouac. Bert Kerouac. <laughs> Jack Kerouac. Bert Kerouac. <laughs> burnt Kerouac Um, apparently like he also incorporated ideas from Buddhism into his Mm. writing so very romanticised isn't it I don't think Fish totally believes it I think there's what's going on here is he's trying to tell himself it's okay I'll carry on you know this is I'm doing it this is what who I am this is what I do I need it to to do yeah I need it to do what I do yes but at the same time, I think he's also he's he's commenting on it as an observer and sort of saying that that's you know it's not healthy. That's what's going on. Yeah, it's not healthy. Yeah, you're gonna die if you keep this up. Yeah, interesting. I mean, another thing I found interesting was even though he was singing about burning a little a little brighter now, his voice and the music was so subdued in this song. See, I, I quite like it musically. I find it a bit like going under in that it's almost a segue here in this case. Yeah, actually, it's, a good, it's good as a segue. And I, I like what's going on in terms of the atmosphere with the sort of guitar. It feels like a song that's drunk and it's kind of woozy. Yes. At, see, that's what I meant by mm. it's sung at the end of a night, like at the end of a long night, like at 3am or something. Yeah. He's sort of singing in an empty bar and it's at, like, it's his at, voice is yeah. worn out. It's a piece of atmosphere rather than yeah. a song, I think, yeah. in its own right. I agree. And I'm all for that when, when it comes to Meridian yeah. because I think they do that better than anyone. Yeah, that's true. And so the things that you're saying you don't like about it are things that I think are, are its strengths. Well, I mean, this is what... This is the thing, though. I don't like the sound of it. It's not pleasing to my (laughs) ear, but I do. I really appreciate the atmosphere it creates. It's telling a story for sure. I just, my ears don't go, oh, I really want to listen to that for fun. No. Oh, no. I will always listen to that before going into Slange Navarre. Oh, okay. Yeah. right so you feel that they need to be connected and heard yeah meridian clearly don't because when they play it these days they play slange on its own (laughs) i don't even know if they've ever played torch song you don't know if they've played it live i don't think they have ever played torch song live meridian oh interesting yeah i mean fish has in recent years but yeah meridian i don't think have um so yeah it's part of slange for me oh okay interesting so shall we talk about Slange? Yeah, because that's my favourite song on the album. Really? Why do you sound surprised? 
Does well, that surprise you? It's not mine. <laughs> you don't. It's it, not. not oh, your no, favorite, I, lo- I love you, it. Come oh, okay. on, it's Slash Navarre. Okay. I love it, but it's not my favorite song on the album. Oh, what's your favorite song on the album? Sugar Mice. I, okay, yes, I love Sugar Mice as well, but I, I, okay, I love Sugar Mice, but I love Slange. Mm. That sounds Slange Navarre. Yeah. Yes. Means, uh, do you know sounds what it means? Sounds a bit weird to say, yeah, to good health. Yeah. Which is very fitting coming after Torch Song, isn't it? Mm-hmm. At first I thought, oh, to good health, he's coming out of a song where the doctor's telling him, if you continue this lifestyle, you won't reach 30. Mm. And then it's like, okay, to good health. But it's all about history and stuff. So I'm I'm really com- well because he's talking yeah. about Scotsmen and being betrayed <laughs> by broken promises, but they're still ready to fight and stuff like that. That's my interpretation. Mm. So I don't know if that's like a metaphor for him personally feeling betrayed, mm. or if it's more literal. no. Again, it's literal. It's guys in a pub drunk going, ah, this is where my life went wrong, and this went, you know, I'm out of work, and it's also it's a, a song where fish he even sings in his accent kind of for the first time at one point. Yeah, um, I love that. Last Order's commanding attention. I absolutely love hearing twang the accent. Yeah. Uh, it's Fish, even though he did it to a degree on Heart of Lothian on the previous album, here, this is Fish really discovering pride in being Scottish, I think. Right. And Yeah, or at least feeling a kinship with his countrymen. Right. And the women. That's how I see it. I was wondering if it has anything to do with the line, it's part of the heritage of in Torch Song. Well, yeah. Or I do think, you think they're just completely separate? Well, Scotland certainly has a, a heritage of drinking. Here we go into a song sat in a pub with drunks putting, or Scot- Scottish drunks specifically, putting the world to rights and complaining about mm. where they've ended up and, and fish listening to their tales. What do you take, what's your take on the line where he sings, take it away, take it away, take it away, and then it turns into take me away, take me away? That's interesting. Do you know what? I don't know. Princes in exile, raising the standard Drambury, parading their anecdotes, tired from old campaigns, holding their own last orders, commanding attention. We sit here and listen to all of the stories so far. This is the story so far. Take it away, take it away, take it away. And then take me away, Mm. take me away, take me away. Take away my glass. Take away. Get the me pain. out of here. Take away the pain. Uh, Is it a cry maybe. for help? Yeah. Take me away. They promised us miracles. And this is where I was like, oh, okay, maybe it is a personal thing. They promised us miracles and the whistle still blows. Broken promises, but the whistle still blows. The whistle, I think, is the factory whistle. That's how I saw it. Okay. Or how I've always I, read it. Because it could be also, if, if it's linked to the earlier side a where he's had enough of being overworked in the band mm. the prom they promise us miracles you know when you're famous it's going to fulfill all of your dreams but really it's just about being overworked and mm. well that's out. certainly an underlying thread and theme throughout this album yeah this is why i think we we it feels like we're rushing through this album a little bit yeah i, I know <laughs> but that's because lyrically it is kind of one note. Yeah. It's all it's, the songs are kind of connected, even though some of them aren't. Mm. Like, okay, White Russian isn't. This one maybe isn't if it's more literal. Mm. But then I'm I'm never sure. I see this thread connecting it all, but then there are these 
songs that seem disconnected from the thread, but then underneath it, they still seem to be kind of connected, possibly. It's all a song about being an alcoholic, basically. Basically, Fish claims he was never an alcoholic. Right. He claims that. How true is that? I don't know. Um, Because it wasn't him, it was Torch that was the alcoholic. He went to a drying out clinic at one point um, and as a joke that he came out wetter than he went in. But there was a problem. There was definitely problems. Yeah. Do you go to a drying out clinic if you don't have a problem with alcohol? Yeah. Whether the whole, just for the record, I can put it down any day, I don't know. Maybe he was kidding himself that he didn't have a problem. Yeah, he he, certainly, he's survived to this day. Yes. Uh, And he... He hasn't succumbed to alcoholism, as far as we know. Obviously, there was a layer of, I'm not going to say shame, but but possibly there was, because to the extent that he couldn't own the songs as him, as coming from himself, I being think about there was, himself, yeah. He was hiding behind it. Torch. He was definitely hiding as much behind Torch and the concept here as he was hiding behind Fish in those early days. Yeah. Because so many songs have that same theme, but then... If you've got a problem with a substance or anything, I could see how it could be all-consuming Yeah. in your life. And if he was struggling... Yeah. And then in between, we see these sort of cries for help, for instance, in that time of the night, saying, I want to run away from this. Yeah. And... But he can't. And But he can't. He's trapped. He's so, trapped. And that's what this whole album feels like. And if you're, if you're trapped and you're not safe and you're not in a comfortable position, of course that's your only focus. That's all you can think about, talk about, sing about, write about. But he couldn't, he wasn't even in a place that was secure enough to be honest about it. He had to Mm. filter it through these outside characters. Yeah. Yeah, bringing characters to memories like old friends. Yeah. Ah. Before we move on, mm. uh, can I just say this is the point at which Rothers got into U2. And oh, really? <laughs> well, come on, the, the guitar, the jangling, Aww. the jangling, the edge style guitar. Aww. Sugar Mice, my favourite. Your favourite song. One of my favourite Meridian songs, full stop. And we're talking favourite Meridian songs, Fish or H era, full stop. Wow. I love Sugar Mice. Oh, yeah. You said you got a bit teary the first time Mm. you heard it. Oh, what was it about the song that got to you that, that like. It's the. When I talked to the kids on the phone and I heard them asking questions. It's just that. Even though he was pretending. They had children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was certainly, as Fisher said, inspired by a real call home to his girlfriend, then girlfriend, Tamara, that was a bit difficult. And so here's again, this is back to Fish as he did in, uh, in Misplaced Childhood. Blame it on me, blame it on me. He's blaming mm. the problems on himself. He's taking yes. responsibility. Yeah. He's being very harsh on himself. Yeah. Sugar mice in the rain. You know, they wash away when they get wet. What a... Lovely image. Yeah. Because they're sugar mice are sweets, aren't they? Mm. So is it like the sweetness of life is getting washed away by 
alcohol by liquid. That's how I've always taken yeah, taken okay. that to mean. I don't, don't. I didn't know if it had like some other. Don't quote me on that, but that's what I took it to mean. Mm. They're not real either, are they? They're sugar mice. They're not real mice. Uh-huh. And they dissolve in liquid. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really, really sad song, but mm-hmm. it's also one of the best rock ballads they've ever done with one of Rother's best solos, which also made me realise on this album how lacking in Rother's kind of out-and-out solos it is. He's actually Yeah, I think there was one in an earlier song. I can't remember where. Oh, Incommunicado, the beginning. I liked Rother's. Yeah, but it's not a solo in the classic sense of a solo. Yeah. It's and this is it, it, he's using the guitar for the most part on this album as texture and atmosphere. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I I, I wrote down that um the guitar sounded contemplative. Con- mm. Try and say that fast now. Contemplative. Um and it beautifully complemented the rest of the music. On this song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then when that that solo kicks in and the the you know and it fish Fish sounds so broken and sad. So with much the, the regret. Whole, I know what I want. I know what I feel. I know what I need. Daddy yeah. took a rain check. That's really sad. I love the line where he said, I heard Sinatra calling me down through the floorboards. Oh, that was so beautiful. Yeah, I'd have nothing much more to say beyond it's about a guy, sorry, Torch, who's drinking too much in a hotel room. And, you know, can hear the music downstairs, calls home, has a bad call. And he's separated from his family because of his drinking and his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want my address, it's number one at the end of the bar. Yeah. Where I sit with the broken angels. That's, yeah. Clutching at straws and nursing our scars. I think that it also shows a real maturity when he's saying blame it on me. He's taking responsibility for not being there for his kids. But isn't that the tragedy of this album? Is that he was doing that on Misplaced Childhood. Mm-hmm. And yet he's still stuck. Yeah. He's still stuck yep. where he was. Yeah. He's, he's still able to have that maturity and and he's not lashing out. He's blaming himself. Mm-hmm. But also that his career and lifestyle and everything, he's... he's, he's He's just so trapped here. Mm-hmm. I remember Lords of the Backstage to me sounded like he was already bored with mm. all the drink and drugs and stuff like that and being tra- trapped with that life of rock and roll excess and he's still there now. Yeah, he's not got out of it and it's killing him. Yeah. It's killing him. It's destroying his life. And in those quiet moments at night when he's alone, he realises it and wants mm. out, but then... The next day, it just starts up again. Yeah, and he can't step off the Treadmill, hamster yeah. wheel. Yeah, that's what of it is. The addiction. Yeah, hamster mill. Yeah, yeah. he can't. He's he's stuck. It's such a tragic album in the end when you when you mm-hmm. look at it. Yeah, what amazes me is they then even after this tried to write another one together. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Well, the bonus. Oh, I had no di- idea. The bonus disc on the deluxe edition has all the the demos that that they they uh, try to write together. So this wasn't the end. No, they tried to write another one. After listening to Clutching at Straws and reading all the lyrics, I'm really shocked that they tried to write another one. 
Yeah, well, after this game out, they had to go on tour. And they toured relentlessly more than ever. Oh, no way. And then it was like, okay, off the tour, back into the studio, get writing. And then, like, that was just the end. But we'll get onto that next week. Because next week's episode is the breakup. Okay, cool. And, yeah, I don't want to preempt it too much. Right, all right. So the final track, The Last Straw, or as you keep calling it, Clutching at Straws. I know, I know. I don't know why I do that, but I do, so... Sorry. So we, call, we have a call back to the first song, Hotel Hobbies, Batting Dawns, yes. Hollow Corridors. Yeah. Yeah. I know you don't like this, so let's, you don't have to build yourself up. I've just said it for you. There Thank you go. Thank you. I, I wish that the album had ended with Sugar Mice. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, this is the song where, it, it, for me, it. I'm, I could be wrong. This is just an opinion. It felt like the music was barely present. It was just kind of secondary to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't feel like the music was as important as the lyrics, but I wasn't really loving the lyrics either. For me, it was again another song that I tended not to bother with. Mm-hmm. I, the album for me for a long time did end at Sugar Mice. I wouldn't. So you feel similarly to me then? Well, hang on. Oh, oh <laughs> hang on. okay. Is there a twist coming? I know what you mean about the music feeling secondary mm. or not as there wasn't There wasn't that cohesiveness. I think this is Marillion doing a generic rock song. And I think it's a, it's a solid rock song. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not most toys, for instance. It's it's just a straightforward rock song with, however, a lovely atmospheric bridge section where it all breaks down into atmosphere and just when you thought it was safe to go back to the water. That bit. Right. I love. Yeah. Is it enough to save the whole song? Though? No. I don't dislike the song. I don't think it's a bad song. It's solid and decent and does the job. And when, for instance, when we went to see Steel Marillion mm. and saw it live, bloody great. Oh, okay. But, Interesting. But... It isn't that, and I'm going to sound like a stuck record because I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it, rock music, regular rock music is not what Marillion do best. They're at their best when they're painting a picture with the music. When they try to rock out, there are other bands that do it better than them. And Marillion, when they're doing what they do best, there's no one better. Right. You don't think it's their strength? No, but... It's telling that the bit I love is in this song is the lovely bridge section where it goes all kind of atmospheric and like. So you're saying you like the song, and yet you're you would always skip it and stop the album at Sugar Mice. Hmm, something doesn't match no, up there. Hang on, that's not what I've said. <laughs> I've, I didn't say I like the song. I'm saying it's one of their. I'm saying I like that bit. Right. I'm saying it's one of their better rock songs, but why would I bother listening to it when I could listen to a rock song by some other band? If I want yeah. to listen to a rock song, I'll listen to a rock song by a rock band. Mm. Marillion, for me, are not a rock band in that traditional sense. And so when they try to do it, it just it's like, don't bother. Stop it. Wow. <laughs> just okay. lads. They're okay when they're doing like an incommunicado where it's just a bit of yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How how would but you again, describe incommunicado? It doesn't not sound a rock song. All right, it doesn't sound like anyone else apart from the Who uh, or Marcus Square Heroes. Speed it up. <laughs> but Thanks, fifteen-year-old Paul. You listen to Marcus Square Heroes or Sassing or or incommunicado. They're rock songs, right? Yes. But they're rock songs that don't sound like anyone else. Yeah. When Marillion try to write a straightforward rock song. 
Mm. I just, it just for me, it's just like, just don't, just don't, don't try and do that. Don't try and do that, please. I'm just trying to now. I'm now. I'm trying. I'm sitting here trying to figure out what you see is the major difference between, like, what, how are Incommunicado and Assassin not straight up rock songs? Well, they are, but they sound like Marillion. Can you think of how the last straw could have? Being made to sound more. Well, hang on, no, that's an insane thing to say. <laughs> that's insanity. It's like, well, yeah, by sounding different. <laughs> Just rewrite <laughs> it for them. Because it's like you know we're in trad rock territory. Trad rock, okay. And and you want prog rock? Well, yeah, but prog, prog is such a loaded term, isn't it? We yeah, won't go pro, there. Yeah, then. we won't go there. Marillion. I want the Marillion to sound like Marillion, and. I don't hate this song. Do you know in general how popular it is? No, I mean, they didn't really play it very often. It's not, I, can, I don't think it's considered one of their greatest. But, but because it's not a crap song, it's not. It just isn't. It's fine. But that, for me, Marillion being fine. Isn't good enough for you. Yeah. Even when they're doing certain songs that I don't love, they're, they're there's something interesting about them that sounds uniquely Marillion-y. Whereas I think that's it with this song. I'm trying to put my finger on it, but because it's a bit, the last straw is a little bit generic, a little bit uh, predictable, I suppose. Do you think, because now that you've said that, I'm that took me back to Torch Song, which I didn't like the sound of, but it, it was dripping with atmosphere. Mm. So maybe, do you think that The Last Straw doesn't have enough of that atmosphere in it? Well, as I said, the bit that I like is the bit where, where it all breaks down and stops mm. and kind of goes slow. But I don't know. It, it ends the album on a, on a high-tempo mo- moment, and I, I quite like the lyrics, certainly going back to them here. It's not a song that lyrically I've ever really started, but it feels like it's Fish again saying, you know, we're only men of straw. It feels like he's saying, here, don't, you know, we're not gods. I may have got famous, but I'm not, I'm not different from you. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see by the reflection in our eyes that deep down inside we're all one and the same. Also, in previous songs where he was romanticising the use of alcohol and drugs, saying how he needs it for inspiration and to write and it's part of his heritage and here it's just like clutching at straws but he's still drowning yeah he's still drinking they're not really helping he's he's still drinking and taking drugs it feels like they're not a secure life raft to hold on to yeah i think he here it's very much unlike misplaced childhood which felt like it came to sort of a nice conclusion here Instead of an album that that closes the door on one chapter and opens a new one, this fades out. It carries on. Yeah, and I think it's Fish saying, well, I'm stuck. Yeah, here I am. I'm still drowning. It's him still on the treadmill by the end of this album. So you're saying in, I'm going to, God, here I go again, comparing it to Misplaced Childhood. In the way that Misplaced Childhood was a journey, like a hero's journey where he started off in one place, but by the end he was different. Here you're saying he, he started off in one place and at the end he was in the same place. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he's gone on a bit of a journey. One-way circle, as you said, it's cyclical. Yeah. He's ended up back at, back at the start. 
you know that's what, so depressing yeah what he's saying is we're all a bit like this we're all we're all a little bit torched we're all we've all got the darkness inside us mm, we're all a bit trapped yeah maybe it's really cynical and really dark that's and really, really depressing cynical. and then to make it worse there's a track called happy ending which is the sound of you know ice cubes in a glass or whatever and a really creepy laugh <laughs> how creepy is happy but, ending yeah that it creeped me out so much so yeah, Marillion's final album with Fish is depressing. Mm-hmm. Feels like he's going to carry on drinking because he's stuck with his life and it's the only thing that gets him through. Mm. Even though he knows it's not helping. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably killing him. And it's probably killing him. Oh, now I really want to know what happened next, but we have to wait for the next episode, don't we? <laughs> I yeah. want to know, where does he go from here? Does where, he? Ever... Where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. Mm. We'll get to that next week because okay. this has been, oddly, it, it feels like we rushed, but I think we also, it's quite a long episode. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that even though it's considered one of Meridian's finest albums, we've sort of done all this in one episode. Yeah. Whereas- but we had to because even, okay, I know I know Misplaced Childhood was kind of all like two long tracks and I know this album wasn't, it still kind of felt in a way that it was. Mm. It was misplaced though. There were so many different sections to it that it feels like there's much more of a, a journey. Whereas as we've said, here he comes back to, yeah. it goes from A to B to A. Yeah. Whereas misplaced child, it goes from A to B to C. Yeah. So I hope our listeners feel that we've done the album justice, even though we went quite quickly through mm. the songs. Um, if not. They can stop listening. Oh no, no, keep listening. Yeah, keep listening, please. But they can they can tell us what mm. their interpretations were. Shall we plug you know I've really been enjoying reading um Carlos Nightman's blog. Oh yeah, give him doing, a shout out. He's doing the this this journey with us. Yeah, yeah. Well I I tend to retweet him when he's done yeah. the latest one. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. So if any of the rest of you are doing this in chronological order with us, we've, you know, some of you have contacted us. It's, it's lovely to hear. Yeah. Um, let us know. Because we all have we, different interpretations in the end. We all like different things, mm. even though deep down inside we're all one and the same. We're clutching that straws. We're still drowning. So please subscribe. Please maybe go and give us a little review on iTunes. That would be nice. Um, uh, check us out on Twitter at Beampod. Check us out on Facebook at Beampod. Send us an email, beampod at gmail.com. And see you next time for The Breakup. Drama, drama. <laughs> <laughs>